Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan. Today, very pleased to have the opportunity to hear from two of our Grace missionaries, one who will go by the name of Scott for today, new missionary. He and his family will be heading to the Middle East here in a few months. And also, Byron Shearer, a longtime missionary here with Grace Baptist Church, has a long history throughout Eastern Europe and Asia. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. I appreciate your time spent with us in advance. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Well, first off, I'm going to ask you, uh, Scott, first of all, introduce yourself and give us a brief introduction to the ministries in which you and your families are currently engaged and looking to engage in. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my wife and I and my family have been here at Grace for about six years, uh, on and off staff in at least three different roles. And uh, it's a joy to call call this place home. Uh, but in the in the recent years, we've been looking towards international ministry in a place that uh, desperately needs to hear the gospel in the Middle East. And Grace has really come alongside us in that coming up and growing process. Uh, and then has become our, our sending church as well. Um, so it's been a joy to have uh, Grace alongside us in that process. For great, sure. great. And Byron, why don't you introduce your ministry? Yes, uh, we have been here for 43 years. We came first as well as the associate pastor. And then um, and in 1995, we went, first of all, went to Russia. And, um, and God just directed us into a ministry of training uh, Christian leaders in various com- various countries in Eastern Europe and in Asia, and so we're our, we pattern our ministry a lot like uh, Paul did in, in Ephesus, where we we uh, do training and uh, and just our responsibility is to release people to ministry. And Byron, you uh, added the word "we," and I think uh, Scott, you did the same thing. We include wife and children. That's right. And um, as a matter of fact, uh, Libby and Johnny and, and Susie went with us the first year we went to Russia, and they've really been involved in the ministry, you know, a, a lot. I must be mostly behind the scenes, but a lot of, doing a lot of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Well, let's let's start with Sunday's sermon. And Scott, you uh, preach Sunday's sermon. Uh, let's start with the passage you chose. You could choose many passages throughout the really the Old and the New Testament talk about mission. And you just happened to choose Acts chapter 4. Why that passage? Yeah, I think I chose Acts 4 because I wanted it to be not just this message that was out there, things that missionaries do, but uh, with the concept of a witness coming out of that passage many times and just what a witness does and how they do it. Uh, really was applicable to our context at Grace as well. That yes, we we witness overseas and in international settings as missionaries, but we also witness here in Cedarville as well. And so I think that is one of the reasons why I chose that passage so that it would land well, obviously for missions, but also just for the sake of Jesus wherever we are, including here. Great. And Acts chapter four, of course. I mean, we're very early in the church's existence. And, uh, you know, we often go to, say, an Acts chapter 13 passage where Paul and Barnabas are first sent out, but it really does start in Acts chapters 2, 3, and 4, where the church is just forming and starting to begin their, the whole process of fulfilling the Great Commission, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, too, to that point, I mean, 
missions and church, you know, should be intimately related. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at, you know, that uh, in Acts 4, they're just being the church and what the church is at that time is proclaiming and adding to their number. And then when they set aside other people, it's that same vehicle of ministry that God's chosen to use in the world, whether sending missionaries or doing ministry here, God's chosen the church uh, to be that vehicle that we bring the message. And here we are 2,000 years later, and he's still on the same path. That's right. So, okay, so the main point from your sermon this past week, act as a witness, proclaiming Christ alone by prioritizing time with God and striving for his commendation. Now, Byron, you have served faithfully in church pastoral ministries for most of the past, you mentioned 40, well, it's been close to 50 years or right over 50 years that you've been serving in pastoral ministries throughout the, we'll call it the Midwest, what, Pennsylvania and Ohio. And that was prior, uh, earlier than your mission work. You started mission work in 1995, you mentioned. So talk to us about what went through your mind when you heard this main point that Scott shared for our sermon. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, really is struck me is that it, the, the people that were interviewing or uh, condemning or um, saying things against Peter and John took note that they had been with Jesus. And, um, and it's certainly the first thing that we need to be engaged in when we have the privilege of telling the good news is, is that we have a life that, that shows the good news that we're telling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, so, and so acting like a, a witness springs out of what we're doing in our lives. And because that's what others see. It's, it's kind of like what we do in a slow in the slow grocery line, or or when, or when we're uh, when we're in a traffic jam, you know how yeah. we respond, how we react. Um, but uh, but because these men spent time with the Lord, they shared what they knew, and it's kind of like what does what says in Acts chapter one, uh, verse eight. It says, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you'll be witnesses." Basically, they were rememberers. Mm-hmm. They they were involved in the process of telling what what the Lord had done, and in in our own lives we are involved in the process of telling what the Lord is doing in our life. So it springs out of who we are. It springs out of our time with the Lord. That's that's what our witness is. Another important part of this passage relates to to what's going on in influential leaders today in in our community and. In our country, you know, um, people who are either distorting the message or who want to hinder the proclamation of the message. The criticism of these men was they weren't smart enough. And it's uh, and the wonder of what was happening here is that these men had the truth, and they were willing to tell the truth, and and they also had the spirit, and so as a result. Amazing things happen because of the courage of common men to proclaim a life-giving message. I just, I mean, it just, it, was, it just resounded in this passage. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned, okay, so if you are in the traffic jam, you're in the checkout line at the grocery, you mentioned two of those very common things that we all do at some time or another. And, uh, you know, in our little town, if the if we had hit by both all three lights, uh, then we think we're in a traffic jam. But <laughs> so uh, let's talk about that. You're saying there that, you know, you talk about common men, 
And that's what Peter and James and John and the rest of the disciples were, the, the apostles. God doesn't look, it seems like you're saying, for necessarily the ones who are the most educated or the ones who are the glibest speakers or whatever it might be. He's looking for common men. Is that what we're saying here? Well, I'm, I'm saying that, that God looks at anybody. I mean, Paul was, was very intelligent. I mean, who, who knows? God uses the person who's willing to give himself. And, um, and, that's, and that's the important thing. Uh, it can be a, they can be a genius and, and be amazing, and they can be the common man, and they can be amazing. It's, it's their willingness to submit to, to the power of the Spirit in their life. Yeah, it's a comfort, too, to those of us, like the three of us in this room, who feel pretty normal or we're very aware of our own mistakes often uh, that God chooses to use these type of people. Like these are the type of people that by his spirit, he empowers to proclaim this message. Like that's a, that's a joyful truth that comes from. I mean, God can use even me Mm -hmm. and everybody should be saying that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, okay. So one of your concluding comments, Scott, was a challenge to the church to consider how we are prioritizing the beholding of God in our daily lives. Can you talk more about that and the importance of that concept for every follower of Jesus? We touched on it here briefly, but beholding God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the message, I quoted 2 Corinthians 3.18, um, you know, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to that same image from one degree of glory to another, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And just the promise that is enclosed there is so sweet to us that if we fix our eyes on Christ, we will, by the Spirit's power, become like Him. Uh, that's amazing. You know, I think life change uh, in anybody's life is a difficult thing to come by, but to have a promise that if we behold God, God, the Spirit, will change us, that that's amazing. Uh, and so even even beyond the aspect of witnessing, which is what we're talking about today, even just the concept of sanctification, like coming to be more and more like Christ, uh, this promise is is really sweet. Um, but it, it does, to your point, give fuel for how are we beholding the Lord and what does that look like and how are we prioritizing it. And um, I mentioned in, in the sermon that, yes, like Bible reading comes to mind, other spiritual disciplines, which are great to talk about. But I also think um, just connecting to God throughout life, I think, is one of the things that I've been uh, thinking about more recently. Like, how often can I check the box in the morning and say, yes, I've been in God's Word, but then wake up at 3 p.m. and be like, I just haven't put a thought towards the Lord in a couple of hours. You know, And so I think for me, just one of those disciplines being connecting my life story to His you know, in tangible ways, even in just a little, a little prayer in a moment, you know, I think those things really inform, especially my relation to the Lord, but also my witness. You know, if I'm aware of the Lord's presence with me throughout, my actions and activities are going to change. So, well, and to your point there, I I know from my personal experience. Uh, have you ever been reading the scripture and get down to about verse fifteen and said, "Oh, how did I get here? I missed." Yes. I know I read that, but I don't know what I just read. Absolutely, it, your mind goes. So, I think it's something we all struggle with. And uh, beholding God, Byron, I think you had some, a couple things you wanted to add. Yeah, just basically what I, I was thinking about is sometimes we relate this to times of of real 
uh, prosperity, but but it, but beholding God could also be be done in times of real disaster. Mm -hmm. And I am and I and I'm particularly thinking what's going on in Ukraine right now, mm -hmm. where there are 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 people, dear friends of mine, who are trusting God, doing courageous things because they know the presence of God in their life, and they're just reaching out to people in amazing ways, just because they. They they've, they know God's there, and they they want other people to know God, and so they're using this time of of disaster to proclaim the message of hope. Isn't it true though that in times of disaster, and I know you've been through some disastrous times, what appeared to be nothing, maybe nothing in comparison with war, in the middle of war. Scott, I'm guessing that you may have gone through some of the same things. You're a little younger than Byron, but I know I have too. Sometimes it's easier to see God during those disastrous times where everything else is stripped away. And, and it's really cool to see how people in, you know, how my friends are responding to people in Ukraine too. I mean, just yesterday a pastor wrote to me and said, hey, I'm sending you $10,000 just to send to a pastor who is ministering to people in his community. Mm. And so, so you know, like, wow. I mean, people understand the need, and, and because of their connection with brothers and sisters, they want to they help. I think, too, I mean, in personal life we see this, but also just reflected in Scripture, like uh, the story of Joseph comes to mind for me. Just all these horrible things really happen to this individual, but... God grants him the perspective in Genesis fifty twenty to say, you know, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Mm -hmm. That as he looks back, he says, actually, like anything that came to mind to the negative and all those years I spent in, in prison, wrongfully accused, whatever have you, God intended for good. And even in the grand arc of the narrative, right, that the people of God were actually saved by that because there was a famine in the land. And if Joseph hadn't have been there and risen to power the way he did. I mean, what hope would we have for those seed from all nations, right? And so that God is in his sovereignty working together and weaving all these things for his purposes. I mean, even this passage we're talking about came out of disaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, here was a man, here was a man that was helpless and, and, and uh, Jane, uh, Peter and John ministered to this man that was helpless and yes. look what happened as a result. Okay, so, so it's obvious from Scripture, and Scott, I'm going to direct this to you, yeah. not all believers were leaving home for gospel ministries. And it's equally evident from passages such as uh, Acts 13, look at that, throughout the remainder of Acts that the church member and the church as a whole is to be intimately involved in these mission works. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about the ways that, and as you have begun the process, you've been raising support to go to the Middle East. Talk to us about ways that churches have joined with and encouraged you, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. I think just um, churches that have this vision already are such an amazing place to visit. You know, you can you can meet congregation members and leaders at a church that you've really never met before, and there can be this amazing camaraderie around the mission of God in the world, and then him using the local church primarily to do that. And I think that's one of the things that sticks out to me as we've partnered with churches is I've been just so encouraged to be able to witness that. You know, like not everybody gets the chance to go around to various churches, meet and pray with their leaders, and invite them to join in this endeavor. You know, so in that way, it's been a, 
a joy to my family and I to do that and to see that. It's, it's fun to see God working all over the world, yes, but also just all over the United States and different churches who have this same heart and are sending people and supporting others. And um, that that's a real privilege to be able to not just hear about that that's happening, but to witness it uh, with your own eyes. And you get different things, different encouragements, different support from each place you go. Uh, and so in a lot of ways, we feel like it's taken a whole host of people to prop us up and, and send mm-hmm. us out. So. And Byron, I want you to touch base, uh, touch, you can respond to that same question, but I also want you to touch on the role. And Grace has uh, really uh, grabbed hold of this idea of being, of the church being the uh, progenitor, we'll call it, or the, and the overseer of mission work. That hasn't always been the case as a practice, not necessarily of Grace, but in general, American churches. Can you talk a little bit about the role of the church and how Grace Baptist Church takes that role seriously? Well, let me talk about how it took seriously with me. Um, you know, there are times when when we we know that there are people, really, really good people in in our congregation, who should be doing something. Okay, and um, and many churches they they celebrate the fact that they're doing it, but they want them to do it in that church. When in reality, maybe we should be considering what they should be doing in other parts of the world, and I and I have really tried to to encourage us to be proactive in looking among our congregation in relationship mm-hmm. to to what are these people doing now, and what could they do in another part of the world, and the, probably the reason for that is because that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. I was. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I was, I was pursuing a place in a church ministry somewhere, and, and people kept coming to me and saying, you ought to be a missionary. And it was way out of my comfort zone. I mean, way beyond my wildest imagination. And beyond, outside of your training, really, well, wasn't it? Yeah, basically, way outside my training. I mean, I, I had a, a master's degree in divinity, but, but it, I had never considered this as being something mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as as people continue to do that, the church kind of got behind that, and then Pastor Graham really got behind it, and and so um, it was it was a it was part of the church's ministry to do that, and then they started praying for us, and then they really really encouraged us by be backing us with support, and then they sent men. I mean, over a dozen men from this church mm-hmm. have gone with me to be involved in ministry, mm-hmm. so. So I mean, it's like the church has really been behind us, and uh, and and behind Scott as well. So talk uh, recently, even recently, over the past uh, five, six, seven years, the elders here at Grace have really sought to take an active role in developing new missionaries. We have the Missions Institute that we uh, that we were working through, and uh, Scott, you've been involved in that pretty intimately, both from a participant and a uh, leader standpoint. I know, Byron, you've been very engaged in uh, this whole area of missions, not only personally, but in seeking to oversee missions well. What are some of the reasons that the church has done that? I mean, you talk about identifying missionaries and getting ready and helping them get out there. After they're out there, what is the role of the church? Yeah, I think um, in a lot of ways, we use the image of a, a rope holder. Um, for those who stay back this way. And I think as one who's kind of going down the rope, it's it's a really good comfort to know that there's more than one person here or there holding that rope, you know? So if it gets heavy, there's 
there's a church holding that rope. Um, but yeah, as far as the, the role, I think just uh, checking in, holding accountable, I think is really important. Um, that's part of that church-based vision is that uh, the way in which we do ministry is one that like this sending church would endorse. So checking in on that front. Um, and then also just checking in personally. I mean, uh, missionaries are very normal people. You know, they have struggles and they need encouraged uh, and they need prayed for and they need help with parenting uh, and marriages and things like that. And so, so you, you're saying they're normal people. So that S that we sometimes put on their shirt might actually stand for small instead of Superman. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and I think just knowing that it takes a whole church to support and encourage any one of us, that includes your missionaries as well. And I think I heard somebody put it this way, which was helpful, just viewing missionaries as on your staff is just a helpful frame of reference because I think then it says, okay, we evaluate them the same way or have the same standards for them that we would for staff. And then also we we love them, encourage them, come alongside them the same way we come alongside our, our church staff as well. So it's it's fun for me to, over these next few weeks, take off my staff hat, you know, and put on my missionary hat and view those in a very different type of ministry, but largely the same way. So... Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you said that because I go to churches and, and people come up to me and say, well, who are you? And I say, well, I'm part of the church staff. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I didn't vote on you, <laughs> but you did probably. And I say, well, well and they say, really? And I said, yeah, you've been paying me for like 10 years. <laughs> but another, thing, another thing is that, you know, um, uh, Scott gave me a, a, a list of, of names and I and I emailed these people on Monday and Tuesday and and got emails and and prepared a prayer list and so and so um, we have absolutely current prayer lists this week of missionaries all over the world mm. that we prayed for this mm-hmm. morning mm-hmm. and um, and so and we'll be praying for them as a group of elders tonight yes and so that I mean that's a huge deal yeah. calling on God in yeah. the Spirit to help yeah. and I mean that's really really a huge. Well, let's get to that then. One of the helps that the Adult Bible Fellowship leaders received this past week as we prepared for our sermon-based class lessons was an article, and it was dealing with prayer support, mainly geared for those involved in cross-cultural missions. Now, that article touched on the need for the following three prayer requests that the author suggested. Number one, favor with local authorities. Also, healthy partnerships with local churches. And then thirdly, a bold witness with unbelievers. Scott, can you talk to me about each of those prayer requests and share with us any commentary that comes to mind about those? Those aren't necessarily prayer requests that we automatically pray for our missionaries, but they're great requests that we should be praying for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and even just speaking from from our context to where we're headed, you know, two of these, the first two would be very different types of prayers, even though they'd be under the same heading, you know, favor with local authorities in our case might be flying under the radar with local authorities rather than actually intentionally engaging them in any way, you know, and, and so depending on the context, that prayer may shift, but it's certainly relevant. Same, same with the second one, uh, healthy partnerships with local churches. Well, in our case, you know, there is one international church that's like government recognized but if you want any local people to attend the church it's got to be outside of that international church context and so uh, so yes hopefully there will be a partnership there 
But in the same way, those optics kind of limit what local people can do with us if we choose to go that route. So there are just unique dynamics per place, but um, connecting ourselves to what uh, the Lord is doing in that place, especially through the church, is, mm-hmm. is always a priority. So, so yeah, and then see, I think the, the last question, a bold witness with unbelievers yeah, goodness gracious, each each missionary will be thankful that you're praying that way. I think they're uh, they're facing the same temptations we are here. That is to just hold on to the message and maybe put it under put it under a lampshade, you know. And so, giving them boldness through through prayers to proclaim this wonderful message that we have is always always relevant. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and Byron, I want to ask you or mentioned to you and have you comment on the idea that it has never been easier to communicate with missionaries who are, you, you've been based here in the United States for the past 25 or so years, <clears throat> excuse me, but it has never been easier to communicate. We need to be communicating and asking people, how can we pray specifically for you? That's exactly right. And, 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 a, and, a, and a, certainly a part of that is not only, not only what's going on in their ministry, but what's going on in their family and in their own personal life. Because, uh, because missionaries struggle in those areas too, you say. And, and, and they are, their head is up, you know, they, they are, they are the target of the enemy. And, uh, because, because in many places, um, uh, just like Peter and John, the, mm. the devil wants to stop their ministry, and so they'll, he uses every way to do it. And many, many times, it's their personal life. Mm. And so, and so, the prayer, some of the prayer requests we received were very personal in relationship to the, what's going on in their own life. Mm. And that's and we cannot. I mean, we can talk about ministry, mm-hmm. but we can never ignore what's going on in a person's life individually. And it's not wrong for any church member to say, you know, I want to get to know this person more i want to get to know their ministry more just reaching out and Mm -hmm. certainly there are some protocols especially in areas that are maybe resistant to the gospel and governmentally might have some problems with certain things so we can coach but just an encouragement to anybody who might be listening it's not wrong for a family to adopt a missionary get to know a missionary let their children get to know them and have them in their homes but also communicate with them regularly once they're going over and a cross-cultural field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to link a couple of things here, I love hearing all these concepts, but we talked earlier about beholding God in His Word and that changing us, and then we've talked about, you know, how do we support those who are on the field? You know, they're doing that over there, you know, and so even just praying for things like their sanctification and their beholding of the Lord, again, seemingly normal things, those are foundational things. Like, the same qualification that we hold here to witness being with Jesus is theirs, as well. And so as we're praying for ourselves for consistency and a new heart and God would you open my eyes to see your word for what it is, uh, we can pray those same things for those over there too. Okay guys, so as we close here, give you an opportunity to share just one thing that you wish the average church member understood better about the ministry God has given you. Scott? Yeah, um I think uh, just lowering the bar on what what it takes to get to uh, the field and and who God chooses, I think is a huge a huge thing that I think people would want to observe that that from being an intern here, you know, and having just undergrad, you know, not a lot of training after that, like 
God is choosing all sorts of different people, and uh, he's not often, you know, uh, flying that airplane through the sky with a sign telling you where to go. You know, he's he's often using his word, these means of beholding him and changing who you are, and then I think most primarily uh, Christians realizing that God can do whatever he wants with my life, and, and that's the position I want to be in no matter what stage of life or job or other thing I have. I think once those things fall into place, uh, any any person is in the place to say, okay, God, like what what is next? And for some, you know, it's being sent. For others, it's holding the rope on this side. But that's I think that's where we're all fighting to be, whether sent or at home, or at home with kids or working a job. We always want to be giving this uh, this blank check to God with our lives to say, God, whatever you would want uh, to come out of my life, let, let's pursue that together. And would you show that to me? And so. Uh, in a lot of ways, we you mentioned earlier, we put missionaries on a pedestal, and, and I don't think that's the case. I think just normal Christian people uh, following what the Lord has prompted them to do, and I think that's what we're all after in the Christian life, yeah. So just leveling the playing field there a little bit. Byron? Wow. <coughs> I, um, Scott took everything right out of my mouth here. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, yeah, that's good. Um, I guess in addition to that, I guess I would say when people look at me, they understand that our appointment is temporary. Mm-hmm. When they look at Scott, they think, they don't think, you know, in relationship to the temporary nature of the ministry. But, but every ministry should be looked at as being temporary. Mm-hmm. We're not building a beachhead for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is the Lord's work. And, and our responsibility really is, is how are we invested in, in a team? How are we involved in building disciples who will carry on the work so that we can get out of the way. That's that's what, what I really want to communicate to, to the church. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Guys, Scott, Byron, thanks for sharing your ministries with us and sharing your perspective on what God's doing throughout the world. Well, we have been discussing our recent sermon from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22 here at Grace Baptist Church, and you can access all Grace sermons and podcast episodes on demand by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the media tab. We also encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. And plan to join us again next week. We'll continue our discussion of God's Word as we move into a new study focusing on Revelation chapter 1 through 3. That's Jesus' letters to the seven churches of the Revelation. And until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.